Hey y'all, it's Janice. Welcome to the Dirty Diversity Podcast. This is a place where we will be exploring equity, racism, and diversity. I am a DEI consultant, educator, writer, and professor who strives to center my work around the liberation of Black folks globally. More specifically, I examine and unpack how we can create structures that support the most marginalized folks in the workplace. This is a podcast where I will share my thoughts on all things diversity, equity, inclusion, racism, anti-racism, and Black liberation. My goal is to stimulate your mind and shift you to think in a way that you've never considered before. This podcast will feature my thoughts as well as the perspectives of different folks doing related work. If you want to learn more, pick up my best-selling books, Dirty Diversity and The Pink Elephant, where I explore workplace equity in more detail. Thank you for listening. Hey, y'all. Jay Nice on the mic, back with another episode. I don't know when I'm going to drop this episode. Normally, I like to drop episodes on Monday which is also the day I drop my Pink Elephant newsletter. I like to stay consistent. So when you're hearing this, it'll likely be August 1st. So happy new month. It's Black August. I encourage y'all to run it back to the podcast episodes from August 2020. I think I took a break last year, um, but I encourage y'all to listen to season one, um, which was in 2020, where I talk about Black August. Um, But just uh, to give like a little, to run it back a little bit, Black August is like, the best way to kind of define it um, is it's kind of like a holiday, a commemoration that started in the 70s to mark the assassination of George Jackson. George Jackson was a Black Panther Uh, a member of the Black Panther Party. He was an author. He was an activist. He was a revolutionary. He was imprisoned. um, And during his time in prison, he staged a rebellion in California. The rebellion happened during August. So August is seen as a time to commemorate and celebrate um, the George Jackson, but more so the rebellion and resistance and revolution. So happy Black August. This month, I'm going to be talking about stories of resistance. So I will be sharing with y'all my journey within academia in the last seven years working at predominantly white institutions and allegedly progressive states like New York and Connecticut. And so we should all be trying to educate ourselves and learning more about um, stories of resistance and revolution. One book that I would recommend that I really enjoyed, it took me forever to listen to, but the Asada Shakur autobiography is a really, really great listen. I'm an, I've become like an audiobook head where I really like listening to audiobooks. I like to have the physical copy because I'm old school in that way, but I just, to consume the books, it's just a little bit easier to do audible for me. So um, I definitely recommend that book if you're looking for a story on uh, revolution and resistance. So I think for August, we should be thinking about examples of revolution and resistance and rebellion in 
our own lives and our neighborhoods and our circles of influence and what we can do as individuals to support these movements and these acts of resistance. Um, and so I wanted to focus today's episode on an article that I wrote recently, which was why companies cutting back on their DEI budgets is not a good idea. So a couple of episodes ago, I was talking about the recession that we're in, that we found ourselves in. Um, it's We're not technically like in a recession yet, but uh, economists and financial experts are saying we will be entering. It's likely that we'll be entering into a recession, not just here in the US, but globally. Um, inflation is up, the cost of everything, goods, services, literally everything you can think of, the costs are up. So rent costs in the US are up, food and grocery prices are astronomical. Gas was up and then it went down a little bit, but it's still currently higher than it was last year. So gas prices are still high, but they're lower than they've been in the last maybe three months. And so a lot of companies, organizations, and institutions are looking for areas that they can cut, right? So when you are expecting these periods of uncertainty, um, you know, organizations, that th that's their MO, is to look at what can be cut, what resources can be reallocated or can be removed so that we're able to conserve our funds, right? And for a lot of companies and organizations and institutions, the decision is currently being made, has been made, or will be made to cut their diversity, equity, and inclusion budget, right? And I just wanna talk about why that's not a good idea. And I'm speaking from a very objective standpoint, right? I know that as a DEI consultant, I may come off as being biased when I speak about this, but I really try to speak about this, or I will really try to speak about this from an objective standpoint. So there's several reasons why now is not the time to cut or defund DEI. Um, the first is, and I'm gonna speak in the language of businesses and business owners, right? I would love to believe that organizations would simply recognize the value of human life and how important it is to prioritize the needs of the most marginalized and prioritize what employees need and want and what will help them grow, thrive, and advance. But the reality is money talks and companies don't care about an issue until they feel like it'll affect their bottom line. And cutting DEI will lead to unhappy employees and unhappy consumers, right? So I think that we operate and function in a capitalist society. And though I have critiques of capitalism and imagine or think about a world in which capitalism is abolished altogether, the reality of the situation we're in right now is that capitalism is what's needed for, our, our country thrives off of capitalism, right? And thrives, I'm using the term thrives loosely here, but the reality of it is that we're not gonna abolish capitalism as a system today or tomorrow. And so I really wanna think in the confines of a capitalist society and why DEI must be prioritized. So the first reason is because 
consumers value DEI, right? And there was, and I'm going to put a link to the article I wrote that I, where I outlined some of these things in more detail, but there was a, um, a Washington Post article that came out where they talked about millennials and Gen Z and how much they prioritize DEI, right? And um, there was a 2021 McKinsey report that indicated that um, 75, about 75% of, uh, excuse me, not 75%, um, I thought it was three out of four, two out of three, so that's like 67% of Americans uh, prioritize social values when it comes to their shopping choices, right? When they think about what companies and brands they want to support, they think about the social value of those companies and brands, right? And we are living in an era where more and more consumers want to support Black-owned brands specifically. And because of the plethora of options that people have, we no longer have to be pigeonholed into supporting one company. There are or there are industries where like one or two companies have like a um, have a monopoly, like when it comes to our cable and our internet. And I say this as somebody who I've spoken ad nauseum about how frustrated I am with our internet service, but they have a monopoly in the area that we live in. So there aren't a lot of options. I can't get like Verizon Fios or whatever. But um, in a lot of industries, there's there's tons of options, right? So when you think about what food you want to eat, if I want a chicken sandwich, I don't just have to go to Chick-fil-A. I could go to Wendy's. I could go to McDonald's. I could go to... There's a plethora of options. And especially in industries where there's multiple options, I think that this idea of consumers valuing DEI is even more important because if you're a company that is not prioritizing the needs of different communities when you're creating products or when you're developing services, I could just go to a company that does prioritize those things, right? Like why go to, why support a company that doesn't care about black people when I can buy from a company and buy the almost identical product from, from a company that does prioritize and care about black people, right? So consumers value DEI and deprioritizing, defunding, and taking away money and resources from DEI is not going to be beneficial to the organization. Um, there has to continue to be a focus and an effort on creating products that are inclusive, that are accessible, that uh, reflect the diverse customer base. So it's not in any organization or institution's interest to deprioritize DEI, right? And doing so will hurt companies in the long run, right? And I think that when it comes to DEI, companies often like to cut corners. And DEI is often seen as the like top of the chopping block and the bottom of importance, but it's actually the most important, right? People don't want to support a brand that doesn't give an F about people, right? If I, I don't want to support a company that I know mistreats its employees, its marginalized employees. I don't want to support a company that oppresses people where I can and when I have a choice, right? And so again, in industries where there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of competition, it's just, the fact of the matter is companies that don't prioritize CEI are going to end up losing, right? And so that's reason number one. 
just speaking very candidly, just from a money standpoint, right? Like all of these things are going to affect the bottom line of a company. You will not be sustainable. People don't want to support um, a company that's on that BS. I think Sesame Place is a great example where I'm seeing calls to boycott Sesame Place, right? I watched a YouTube video from a YouTuber I, I enjoy and I follow called Nappy Headed Jojoba. And she talked about how she feels like we should be boycotting Sesame Place, right? I don't have children. I don't have young nieces and nephews. I have, um, I guess I kind of do in my um, partner's family. But personally, I don't have like a lot of young people that I interact, like children um, that I interact with on a regular basis. So I, but if I did, I would not be taking them anywhere near a Sesame Place. So, you know, I think it is, we have to be, as an organization, you have to be thinking about how you can continue to prioritize different communities, marginalized communities, how you can treat your employees well, but more specifically, the most vulnerable and the most harmed populations. So the second reason why now is not the time to defund DEI is that the great resignation is still a concern. Um, the World Economic Forum in G just last month, right? So as I'm recording this, it's July. When you hear this, it'll be August. But in June, um, the World Economic Forum reported that um, the great resignation is still a concern with the continuation of turnover trends expected for the remainder of 2022. So people will still be quitting their jobs. I'm a prime example. I just quit my job, you know, and people will still leave their organizations and institutions and they'll see turnover if they don't prioritize the needs of job seekers, right? I'm not going to a company that I don't think values and prioritizes DEI. And maybe I say that because I am, um, you know, I don't just say that because I'm a, a practitioner. I have friends and family members who say this exact same thing and they don't do anything in the DEI space. But if they feel any, if they sense any sort of hostility towards them as a black person or as a whatever um, identities they they uh, belong to, they will not um, wanna work within a company, right? So the great resignation is still a problem and companies that want to retain workers and mitigate turnover have to be prioritizing the needs of marginalized employees, centering these needs, and also thinking about centering uh, the most vulnerable and marginalized during job searches, right? How are we ensuring that we're not leaning on our biases when we're making employment decisions? And what are some specific actions we can engage in to ensure that we are uh, promoting anti-racist hiring practices? I talked about that in the last episode, but you know, the great resignation is still an issue. So now is not the time to like just chop your DEI budget and say we don't care about these things because you're likely going to revert back, which brings me to my third point, which is like reverting back is a very real issue. You could make all of this progress and then ruin your progress by doing one thing, right? So like you could have built up momentum, really created shifts, uh, positive shifts and positive changes and then have a manager that says something derogatory or inflammatory, and it shatters the trust that the public and employees have in you. And it ruins all of the progress that you've been made, that you've been making within the organization. So 
um, all the momentum that you've built over the years can be ruined immediately in an, in an instant when employees behave in ways that are discriminatory and inequitable, right? So think about a relationship that you've been building for years, right? You've been partnered with somebody for 10 years. Things have been amazing. That person could do one thing and that one thing shatters your trust, right? Think about if you are uh, partnered and you're in an, a monogamous relationship. I think this is the best example I can think of. You're in a monogamous partnership um, and your partner is, there's infidelity, right, in the partnership. That one action, no matter how amazing those 10 years were, that one action can shatter the trust that your partner has in you, and it will take years to rebuild that trust, right? And so the same can be true about an organization that has treated employees well. One, They could do one thing, and in an instant, they shatter the trust and all of the hard work that has been put in, right? And many corporations, like the fact of the matter is many organizations were built on white supremacy and racism and exclusion and unjust practices. So cultivating an environment that is intentionally inclusive and centers the most harmed is not easy and requires continued effort. You don't just do one training and then all of a sudden we're an inclusive workplace, box checked, right? You don't just hire a diversity manager and all of a sudden you're an inclusive workplace, right? I The example that I gave in the article that I wrote about this was like, I'm a big like gym rat. So like I used to, I know I shared this on the podcast before, but I used to be a bodybuilder, right? And so I would uh, participate in competitions. I never really placed high because I didn't do it. I'm not a competitive person. I don't. I didn't do it to like beat everybody. And and maybe that might sound silly because it's like, why did you do it if you're not competing with others? I really did it to push myself, um, to stay consistent and to um to make myself proud that I was able to accomplish something like that because I'm a big foodie I love 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 to eat I've been like that since I was a child I feel like um in a past life I was starved or something because I am obsessed with food in this lifetime but anyway so like when I would bodybuild right you you take months right it took me four or five months to train for a competition and all of that effort, right? You put in all of this consistency and this time and this effort. And if I just all of a sudden stopped lifting weights and stopped going to the gym, I would not continue to see progress, right? Um, and because of the specific goals that I had, I had to do a combination of lifting weights, doing a cardio, eating a particular way and all of that. So if I'm a person who let's say the only thing I was doing was I started lifting weights. Imagine lifting weights is introducing a diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, justice, and liberation program into the workplace, right? So that's like lifting weights for a person that's never lifted weights or never done it consistently. Let's say through that DEIBA program, J program, you develop muscles and then all of a sudden you stop, right? The muscles, you're not gonna achieve atrophy. I think it's atrophy when your muscles are growing. Um, that I, might, I hope I have the term correctly. Um, but atrophy, I think the definition is like muscle growth. You're not going to accomplish atrophy. Let's see. 
Oh, I'm wrong, y'all. Atrophy is actually when your muscles degenerate, right? So you are going to, I forget what the opposite of atrophy is. Um, but your body is basically, you're going to experience atrophy where your muscles will decrease and decline if you're not lifting weights. If that was the only new thing you introduced into your regimen, right? So organizations that introduce weightlifting, which is the DEI program, and then all of a sudden take it away, will no longer continue to see progress and will experience atrophy where those muscles that you've built and that you've grown will start to decline from neglect, right? So those are three reasons why it's really imperative that companies continue their DEI efforts. All of the progress that you've made is it's easy to be shattered in just one sort of incident, right? I don't know what Starbucks was doing before that incident in 2018, but I can guarantee you any of their DEI efforts were shattered when that manager called the police on those two black men in 2018, right? I don't know what Sesame Place was doing before 2022 as far as DEI, but I can tell you right now, this situation has shattered the public's trust in Sesame Place and it shattered, I'm likely, I'm, I can't speak on behalf of the employees, but it's likely that it shattered the trust that employees had within the organization or in the organization rather. So um, if you wanna read more and learn more about this, I, I outlined things in a bit more detail in the article I wrote, but now's not the time to cut your DEI. You have to continue to keep the momentum going and figure out ways to um, continue, right? And I, I you know, I, I do truly believe that companies will pay for what they think is important. Just like I think not having time is not an adequate excuse to not pour into someone, right? I, I know there were many, many, many moons ago when I was like in college, I dated one of the first people that I dated, um, this person, I felt like wasn't putting a lot, pouring a lot into our partnership. And I said to this person, I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm not getting out what I put in. And the excuse was like, oh, I don't have time, right? Because this person was like, he he played football, he was on the football team or whatever. So, um, and we went to different universities. So he's like, oh, I don't have time, right? And as I got older, this was, I was young, right? And as I got older, I realized like, not having time is not an adequate excuse, right? There's people who like, that's not an excuse, right? So. Um, and just like not having time is not an adequate excuse, not having the money is not like y'all can cut within your organization or institution. There are things that you can cut. You just don't want to cut those, right? Um, CEOs want their salaries to continue getting larger each year. And rather than cutting their salaries, they'd rather cut the DEI budget. And I'm here to tell you that that's not going to help your organization. In fact, that's going to hurt your organization and it's going to lead to a lot of issues down the line. So if anything, continue your DEI efforts, continue to pour money, effort, and resources into ensuring that you're prioritizing the needs of underrepresented and marginalized employees as well as customers, right? You want to make sure you're designing products that support different communities and you want to make sure that you're centering your workplace policies practices and procedures around the most marginalized and by doing that you will benefit everybody in the organization so 
That is where I'm going to leave today's episode. This one was a little bit of a shorter one, but thank you all so much for tuning in. And happy August. Remember, it's Black August, so I want you to be thinking about revolution and resistance, Black revolution and resistance, um, and ways that you as an individual can support that within your local community, within social media, and whatever your circles of influence actually are. But I love y'all, and I will check y'all out in the next episode.